When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver, and for me, Ian Smith, on SENZ. Welcome to SCNZ Mornings with Stephen McIver ahead on Christmas and a busy wee morning after what has been a bumper weekend. Between now and 10am, we're going to talk to the young man that took the catch for AJ's Patel's 10th wicket in the second test. The name of the cricketer is always going to be one of those great quiz questions. Hmm? Plus, we also talk to two-time Commonwealth Games weightlifting medalist Richie Patterson about the possible exclusion of weightlifting from the 2028 LA Olympics. Okay, after the 10, the panel, and then at 10.20, our feature interview today is Joseph Parker, live out of England, who faces his second meeting with Derek Trezora, the war Trezora, this Sunday morning live on Sky Arena or Sky Sport Now. In fact... Yeah, we've got a free fight pass to give away each day this week for the best call of the week. That's right, I said call 0800 150811, the old thing. Talk back, not text back, OK? 0800 150811. Get involved in the conversation. You could be watching Parker Jazora for free, thanks to Sky Sport Now. Uh, breakers in a wee bit of a hole after two losses at the weekend. They're now... Oh, and three, the big donut will go inside the camp to try and understand why the early season wobbles. I watched the game against South Melbourne, and frankly, they just look a little leaderless, and they are without, you know, some heavy artillery. Plus, before midday, Matt Koch on Max Verstappen's maiden F1 title and how it came about in crazy circumstances this morning. If I start gibbering, it's because I watched the whole damn thing, and I have been awake since five o'clock, and for since midnight last night, actually. But just remember to call 0800 150. 
0811 to go on the draws win a Sky Sport Now Fight Pass to watch the Parker Zora fight free. That's right, F-R-E-E, free this Sunday morning, 0800 150 Okay, who was our guest next? Five SENZ mornings with Stephen McIver, 0800 You want to be a winner? That's what you do. You call the phone. Now, uh, question for you. Here's the quiz question. Who was the person that caught Ajaz Patel's 10th wicket in the second test? The answer? Well, why don't we ask the person themselves? Good morning. Who am I speaking to? Speaking to Rachel Ravindria. There you go. There's the answer to the question. Congratulations. You're a guest, but not a winner. Russian uh, Stephen here, mate. Thanks <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I was reading Ajaz's reaction to watching the ball go up, and he said, I hope he catches this, this, this young rooster. When you saw the ball go up, uh, what was your first thought? Uh, don't drop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was... I guess it was probably one of the most nervy catches I've ever had to take, especially with the guys kind of celebrating in my um, peripheral. But, um, no, nah, Jesse thoroughly deserved it, and I was just kind of helping out. Well, I didn't help him. I just did my job, I guess. But for him to take 10 wickets is an absolutely incredible feat. And uh, for it to happen three times in the history of cricket, it was just amazing to experience it with him. Mate, as I said in my build-up, you're going to be that you're going to be that classic sports quiz question forever and a day now, because you're the only third person to ever do it. Now the question will always be, who caught Ajaz Patel's tenth wicket? You realise that, don't write it. <laughs> I, I hope I don't get that much credit because <laughs> Jesse deserves every single bit of that. But <laughs> yeah, if I'm if I'm on some like Tilly bowl cats for. A, uh, for a while, it'd be quite cool. Hey, mate, you've had an, uh, an amazing summer. Congratulations on making your test debut, and and what a test debut it was! What uh, ninety-one ball innings, eighteen not out, and and saved that first test. I mean, how does how do you sort of put that into context? Uh, yeah, it, I guess it was quite a quite a cool experience being able to, I guess, firstly um, make my debut in India against that sort of that side there, an incredible team, one of the best in the world, and being able to share a dressing room and a field with uh, guys who kind of idolised growing up, like the likes of Kane, Ross, uh, Tim Stout, etc. Um, but no, it was, it was cool just to be out there, I guess, and really soaking everything in um, and being able to, I guess, contribute to, a, to saving a game was uh, pretty awesome. Being the new kid on the block, uh, how were you welcomed in? Is did, you know, is there any hazing going on that you were not supposed to talk about or is it just uh, you get her, nowadays you get on and do your job? No, no, I think there's nothing like that. I think everyone, it's quite a team-first environment and everyone trusts each other that they've done the work and um, I guess that's a that testament to the environment the uh, seeing you guys and the support staff has built. Sort of like everyone's inclusive and um, you just hope to win games when you them pretty much. Did the enormity of making your test debut in the home of your parents, they're from Bengalaura, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, did the enormity yeah. of that... Uh, you sort of hit you like a uh, someone slapping you in the face when you realise, hang on, this is where mum and dad grew up. You know, this is the country they were born in. Yeah, I, to be fair, like I, I thought about it a little bit, and it wasn't it wasn't like a uh, big like oh, but it was, it was quite cool. I guess being able to uh, probably for them being able to see me play against the, the country they grew up in. But I guess like for me, I'm Kiwi through and through, born in Wellington, so it's a bit like yeah, I'm just like you know, representing my country, and which is um, which is an amazing honour. 
you know they would have wanted a better answer than that, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> it's okay, Mum, but uh, I was born in Wellington. But uh, let's just talk about you growing up because I didn't realise until I read that you were born with a, you had a hole in your heart, so you actually getting into sport and cricket uh, just took a little bit longer than most. Yeah, I think it uh, it was a bit niggly throughout when I was I think I was the first five years of my life was a bit niggly in terms of uh, all that sort of stuff. But uh, luckily, was able to come through it. And um, but yeah, thanks to the support of my parents, I think they're always there for me and they're still out here now. So it's um, I guess every every ounce of support from them has uh, definitely helped. Was there any other sport you were ever going to play, or was for mum and dad's sake it was always going to be cricket because they were so deep into it? No, nah, honestly, like. Mum and dad weren't like put. I guess they didn't like push me to play cricket. They it was just like there, and I just loved it so much. I think, and it helped. Dad knew a lot about it, and he like that's the thing he, he coaches me even now. Um, but it definitely wasn't like a push from them. But I just enjoyed it so much, and it was just like I guess uh, what's, what's the best way to put it? Uh, convenient that dad knew a lot about <laughs> the game, and and now like it helps helps me allow a lot. Cause you can come and throw balls at me and uh, critique me even more. How hard was he on you? Uh, I guess with a lot of uh, parent and son sort of coaching, I think that's the that's the beauty of it. They can be quite honest and straight up, and which is something I, I value a lot. Having a having someone that can just without mincing their words tell you how it is, I think that that goes a long way, and I think that's helped me a lot because I can I know I'm always going to get honest feedback from them. Do you think you're a product of just? constant practice like I looked at when you were you like you were 12 you were playing under 13s at 13 you're playing under 17s 15 and 16 you're playing under 19s constant that you know you just that just doesn't happen yeah I I think I don't know I, I, I don't really I guess I've, I've, I've worked hard at it but I've, I just enjoyed it so much that I just keep going so I, whether it was during school I'd, I'd like to get up before school at like train and then after school train so I'd be having like two or three sessions a day but I think that's mostly because I, I loved it a lot and I think I was always I guess looking ahead at the future because a lot of times in junior cricket you can be like oh I didn't get runs in this game, didn't get runs in this game but I always was like oh it's okay like in three, four years time I'm not going to worry about getting a duck in a college game you know and I was able to um, just focus on sort of the like, future and put perspective on every single time I batted, but that helped through trainings and gave me the confidence. So what I want to know is how much time as a young kid growing up did you spend practising and playing cricket, and did you miss out on things that maybe other kids would have been doing because you were in, in the nets, bowling, catching the whole nine yards? Yeah, I I, I, I guess I, I have made some sacrifices to a certain extent, but like I, too far, I haven't been too interested in um, I guess things the usual teenager would do, but uh, that's 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 the thing about it. Like I was able to put my mind and everything fully immerse myself into cricket, and that was my I guess my happy happy space, being able to train and uh, play games whenever on on the weekend. So that was that was where I was happy. I was and I was like really enjoying my life, and still still am obviously. Not lonely. Nah, nah, nah. I, Nah, definitely not, because I still still had my mates who support me throughout the thing, so I was able to see them whenever, but it was just like, it wasn't necessarily getting in the way of other things, but I certainly prioritised cricket growing up. Okay, so, so you've had, you, you, you're you now a test player, what was it like getting the nod? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty special, I think, um, Steady the coach sort of came to me in my room and said you're playing, and that was definitely like a pinch, pinch myself type moment, being able to make my debut, and 
especially against India, like I said before, they're an incredible team, but it was something that you dream about uh, over a number of years since I was five. You know, you watch this cricket on TV and you're like, oh, I want to be there one day, and then for it to actually happen, but to sort of transcribe is pretty cool. Were you straight on Skype or well, FaceTime to mum and dad? <laughs> yeah, I misses I the uh, mum and dad, and then you know, I think they were, everyone at home was asleep, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't share the news with them straight away. But nah, they um, I talked to them the next morning and they were... Happy for me. So, uh, how does how does a young cricketer re- relax? Is it is it all about cricket when you relax, or do you have things on the outside just to take yourself away to the game to give you that balance? Yeah, I think it, I think it is time for that. I I do a little bit of uni on the side, but not that much. But it gives me a little bit of life balance, and I'm able to relax with where it's like watching a movie with my mates or playing PlayStation or just like little things which I'm able to like I guess tick through that um, takes my mind off cricket and like thing is like honestly speaking it is it is hard for me to do that i'm still trying to work out that balance i guess because i'm always i've always got like a part of my mind on that but i'm trying to work on staying in the moment and not worrying too much about what's happened or what's in the future and understanding that whatever i can do now i just got to try control so uh, you talk about studying uni are you are you studying a degree or is it going to be a part-time thing um, so it's like part time, so I'm doing a couple of papers each semester, but I'm doing a finance degree. So I'm just trying to tick that through, and hopefully, um, if I can finish it in the next year and a half, sort of thing, that'd be ideal, and then I can not really worry about it. Yeah, not not wishing to put the old commentary curse on it, but you've always got to have a backstop, right, in case things just don't always work out, right? Yeah, exactly, and and it's just it's good to have your mind off off of something too after a long day of training or or a game, and you're like but like mentally cooked from cricket, you can always just focus. Uh, put your energy into something else. Were you the type of young cricketer growing up that had pictures of your heroes on your wall? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did. I definitely did. I had, like, Tendulkar and Drive in my head, Ross Taylor and Trent Bolt, and those those, those two were the, my big sides from New York and for Daniel Vittori as well. So, was, um, so that's the thing. Like, I've told Roscoe multiple times that um, he was my childhood idol, and I think it's quite cool for me to be able to, like... And just experience what he does in person. I was about to say, suddenly your hero and you're calling him Roscoe. I mean, that, does that just yeah, yeah, does that just yeah. seem a slightly weird? Yeah, it's, it's the thing. It's a, it's a pinch yourself moment because, like, I dad sent me a photo where I was like flag bearing for like a test, and I think 2012. I was, I think I was 12 years old, and there he was like running past me. And I was like, wow, I'm actually playing with this guy now. This is amazing. <laughs> is it urban myth that your name Rachin is taken from Rahul Dravid and Sachin Tendulkar? Is it urban myth, or is there some truth to it? No, nah, there, there is there is some truth to it. Mum and Dad kind of um, decided it, but that's the thing. We don't really talk about it these days, I guess. <laughs> um, my name is very unique, which is which is quite cool, and um, I'm sort of crafting my own uh, own journey. But it's quite cool to be um, having those guys as role models because they're incredible cricketers. Did you manage to meet Rahul Dravid while you were over there? I've um, I've had a little bit to do with him, but not not that much. I've uh, talked to him a little bit, but that's because he's coached like a India under-19s and I've played against his India A side and everything so I've seen him a few times but haven't um, had the opportunity to probably sit down with him and um, chat but hopefully that, that'll transpire one day. So the question that a lot, a lot of cricketing people would probably like to know is are you going to be a, a bowling all-rounder or a batting all-rounder? What is your preference? Where do you feel your strength is? Uh, I, 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 don't know, I don't know if I'd have a preference. I think I'd, I'd do whatever the team would like like me to do to be honest but I think the ultimate goal would be to be a genuine all-rounder I think right now I'm probably just more of a batting all-rounder um, at the current stage of my career but 
I'd love to continue to develop my bowling and batting, and hopefully I can be, in my ideal world, I'll be a junior all rounder at the highest level for a while. But honestly, we'll just take it day by day and keep working hard at it, and hopefully you'll see some improvements and gains. So you see yourself as a genuine already and not a specialist. So you you know now from the get-go, all-round is your, your bag. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, mate, what are you doing for Christmas? <laughs> I'm probably just going to be at home and just chilling out because I've been away a lot in the last five months, so it'll be nice to just, like, have a few days off and just chill. No cricket? Nah, I probably will train on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you couldn't help yourself, Rutch. And thanks so much nah, for spending uh, thanks so much for spending some time on SENZ. Congratulations on a fine year. We know there's a, a long, long way to go, but you've made your mark. And can you tell me who was the guy that caught the the tenth wicket for on off AJ's Patel? <laughs> yeah, I did Rutch and Ravindra. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Congratulations, you win the steak knives, mate. Have a happy Christmas. <laughs> Cheers, thanks so much. You too. You're welcome. Rajan Ravinder, that's right, the man that caught the 10th wicket for Ajaz Patel, who had become only the third cricketer ever to get 10 wickets. Wow. That's pretty impressive. What a lovely kid. What a lovely kid. Uh, if you've got a question or thought about that, give me a call. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. You go on the draw to win that Sky Sport Now Fight Pass to watch Parker Chisora this coming Sunday morning live and free. Thanks to our team at Sky Sport. I know Clayton's on the line. Should we talk to him now? We'll talk to him in a minute. We'll talk to him in a minute. Clayton, stay there. Going to talk to you in just a moment. 0800 150811. Be a winner on SENZ Mornings. Is it Wednesday? Is that the 15th year, Wednesday. The border's open. Woohoo! I'll be here making sure you get through safely. Okay. Uh, g'day, Clayton. How are you, buddy? Uh, very good. Good interview. Enjoyed it. Thank you, mate. What's on your mind? Well, uh, the cat, she asked a question. Of course, the answer was your guest. And I cannot pronounce the name, but let me try. Ration Rasinda. Uh, Ravindra. You were close, but, oh, we, but we won't rescind that answer. So it's Ratchan Ravindra, <laughs> right? Okay. Right. Now, question for you. New Zealand 1956 beat the West Indies. Who took the catch? How old do you think I am? <laughs> a lot younger than me. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I mate, love I'm, my a, I'm a 65 baby. <laughs> I'm only 20 years older. Okay, what's the answer, mate? i got calls backed up here. What's the answer? No McGregor. All right, buddy. You're in the draw to win that Joseph Parker fight pass. Thanks for calling on 0800 150811. Off to the West Coast. G'day, Phil. How you going? Good, mate. What's on your mind? I just um, heard you were going to be talking to Joseph Parker and I wanted to give him the big ups and hopefully gives him one of them big Kiwi Tony Far slacks and the kisser. And, Not, and takes it out. No, I think he will. It's, but he's going to have to knock. I think he's going to have to try and knock him down. If you remember, he uh, got pegged seven seconds into their first fight and came back and won on points. So I just like this this new Andy Gray as trainer. I, I like him. In fact, tonight on Sky Sport One at eight thirty is the documentary made around that last fight. Okay, I was uh, fortunate enough to have a sneak peek at the doco. In fact, it brought me to tears a couple of times. Phil, yes, I know, real men do cry. Uh, so check that out on Sky Sport One tonight at eight thirty. You are in the draw. Listen up before midday, you could be a winner. G'day, Zade. How are you? G'day, uh, Stephen. How's it going? Yeah, good, man. What's on your mind? 
Uh, one of my highlights of the weekend was that uh, Kai Cutter France oh, yesterday. Man, I've been trying to get I've been trying to get him for the last twenty four hours. Do you think I could? No, I think he's probably spent a bit no. of that fifty thousand dollars for the fight of the night uh, on some he's, 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 on the Terps. He's, he's probably out with Taitui Vasa somewhere. Yeah, or oh, well, uh, Dan Hook will be well in tow, make sure he's okay. But hell of a fight, yeah, mate. Yeah. But how, hang on a minute. How about that Nunes Pena fight? Oh my goodness. Oh, I didn't, didn't see that coming from anywhere. No, I don't think anyone. I'm just not used to women bashing each other in the face like that. Yeah. And that 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 she, mouse under Pena's eye. Oh my gosh! But what a hell of a fight. Although she was, yeah. a, she was on a that Nunes won 12, 12 fights in a row. So you never never thought she was going to lose. Lose the odds on the TAB were about a dollar eleven. Were you were you surprised that she tapped out so early? Yeah. Yeah, me, me too. But that Oliveira I thought was impressive. What was it? A, a standing rear naked choke? Is that what you call it? A standing I, rear naked choke? Brian, one of my I producers, so, will help yeah. me because John would never clue. But any, anyway, it I, was I a standing rear naked one, choke. I, uh, excuse me, just quickly about the Formula One. Yeah, go for it, buddy. Um, I, I, I didn't catch any of this morning because it was a bit, a bit <gasps> early and it's oh. uh, pretty long. I don't really watch too much of the Formula One, but I have watched um, a bit of the Drive to Survive on Netflix and um. Great for Max Max Verstappen to keep um, Lewis Hamilton tied on seven, obviously with Michael Schumacher. Well, and, um, that docu- better luck, mate. You, you were talking about documentaries just before. Have you seen the Schumacher one? That's phenomenal. Yep, I have, I have. I'm yeah. a I'm a big petrol head, as you might know. So, but uh, he was very, very yeah. lucky. Zay, you're in the draw. Keep listening before midday. You okay, could be watching Parker Chisora free thanks to yeah, uh, Sky Sport now. As well. Yeah, no, it will be, mate. Thank you for that. That's Parker Chisora two. It's available to book on Sky Arena for Sky customers. Uh, and if you're not a customer, book on Sky Sport now. Pay per view thirty nine ninety five nine twenty eight. Yeah, thinking about that, we might play that audio a bit later on about that. That last lap of Max Verstappen, but it was it was staggering. I just I was I was umming and arguing about whether I would stay up. Uh, I did. It was a, it was a bad move because after the first turn six, when he tried to punt Lewis off, and then Lewis didn't have to redress and come back. I thought oh, it's all over, and Lewis Hamilton took off. And then I was trying to get to Stephen about half an hour later. I looked up it was about oh we're at lap thirty of fifty eight. I went, oh, just watch it. And honestly, it all just, all hell broke loose. It was unbelievable to think, first of all, they had a virtual safety car for Antonio Giovanazzi to pulling over. And they thought, oh, this is going to go full yellow. It didn't. So they got him away. And it was, and then they were looking at Max Verstappen having to get, you know, tenth, eighth, tenths of a lap to try and bang him. And he was going on. Then suddenly, uh, and I was actually Giovanazzi that went in the wall, wasn't it? I got that one wrong. Giovanazzi, no, sorry. It was Nicholas Luftifi that went in the wall, bought up the yellow car. The, the yellow the yellow car, the yellow flag, the, and so Max Verstappen got a free pit stop, went straight in, dropped some softs on, and then all the drama about letting the back markers through blew up in everybody's face. What ended up? Max Verstappen right on the hammer of Lewis Hamilton on the restart with one lap to go. I, I couldn't believe it. Max took about three corners, said, see you later, and it was done. And there was, and Mercedes protested the rules. They protested two things: tried to reverse the rule, and at about the last hour, it was rejected. So Max Verstappen is your 2021 Formula One champion, and good on him too. Nine thirty-two. This is SCNZ Mornings with Stephen McIver. The number is oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Before midday today, courtesy of Sky Sport. Now you could be watching Parker Chisora two on Sunday morning, free. 
All right. All you got to do is call me and talk about anything that you were listening to today or any of the sport over the weekend, and there was plenty of it. Uh, don't forget, of course, we're going to talk about the breakers and their 0-3 start after 11 o'clock this morning. Well, news over the weekend that the Olympics in 2028, yes, we're talking that already, LA, potentially going to lose three sports, one being boxing, one being weightlifting, and one being modern pentathlon. Uh, the, the proviso here is that, quote, they're out for now, weightlifting because uh, there's a huge issue, they think, with compliance, and they want to transition towards compliance and effective change of culture and historical doping problems. Between 2000 and 2012, 60 weightlifters failed drug tests, including 30 medalists. All right, so they got a doping problem in weightlifting. Boxing, well, fixed bouts, right? Cheating. Things being, you know, a bit of moolah under the table. Uh, bouts were found to have been fixed in 2016. And modern pentathlon, which I struggle to handle, but that's been around, believe it or not, since 1912, they've got to find a replacement for the horse riding section. Ouch. But our understanding is that they are going to try and do that. But as far as weightlifting goes, when you think of the the mantra for the Olympics is faster, higher, stronger, and particularly with boxing as well, you know, they're, they're classic sports. So we thought we'd get the read on our two-time Commonwealth Games gold and silver medalist, uh, Richie Patterson, who won for the 85 kg class, and he joins us right now. G'day, Richie. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, mate, I'm good. How are you feeling about this? I know it's a little way off. But the fact that weightlifting may not be in an Olympic Games, what is your read on this? Um, obviously, it's concerning. But um, from my perspective, I think the IOC has actually done the correct thing in terms of where we need to move to as a sport internationally. So the, a bit of background, um, it was all unearthed really by a German documentary into the International Federation a number of years ago exposing kind of the levels of corruption and, and I guess, the, um, the doping history as well. So the International Federation has brought about a reform, which is actually a really good reform, and it's an enacted that uh, on a constitutional reform. But now it's the notion of changing the old guard. Um, the people in charge of the sport over this um, extended period are the wrong people in charge, and, and the IOC is, I guess, um, forcing the hand for the change of culture and the change of guard to, to move the sport forward. Are you seeing change? We are seeing, we are seeing change at the moment. So um, in terms of anti-doping, um, the International Federation signed over to an external partner, the International Testing Agency, which takes now full control over that, which has seen a significant um, well, decrease in the results, which then is an increase in the, I guess, compliance to anti-doping, which is good. Um, and then the, the constitutional reform gives more voice to the athletes within the sport and also a better um, balanced kind of board as well in terms of um, gender equity on the board and representation. So the final straw really is that the IOC has done, I, I believe, the right thing and said we're going to remove you from the program, which is going to force you to have to follow the pathway that we've um, said to reintroduce you to the Olympic program in 2028. So the pathway is, is clear, um, and 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 it's a sensible pathway, and, it, and it's what's needed for the sport. So I, I believe, whilst it's concerning, I believe all we have to do as a sport is follow the correct pathway, which has been outlined. Richie, from your knowledge, who are the guilty countries? Well, the, the sport has been controlled at an international level um, post 
well, pre-Soviet really and, and post-Soviet. So you're looking at the East, a lot of the Eastern Bloc countries um, still remain a lot in terms of influence at that level. So um, unfortunately, those individuals, they were part of a different leadership style um, over that period. And the world has moved swiftly and, and, and very quickly into a modern era of leadership. And, and it's very different to what it used to be. So um, that really the countries that we're trying to make realize that we can't act in this behavior anymore and you've got to move forward and, and, and lead a modern sport. In your career, have you seen it done? Have you actually seen it done? Uh, it, it, was, um, it was common knowledge within the sport. But when, for example, as New Zealand weightlifting, we're not a major player in terms of... Um, well, we, we didn't want to be a major player. We just sat back in the background and we said, look, we'll do our work back here. We keep our sport clean. We keep our athletes honest. And, and we um, make sure our house is in order back in New Zealand. Uh, before we try to um, kind of impart ourselves to the International Federation. So it, it was common knowledge of the corruption and, and the levels of doping around the world as well over, over the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Um, but have, you, actually, have, you, have, you, have you seen someone physically dope in the back, you know, in competition? Not, not physically doping, but you've, I've known that my athletes that I've been competing against have doped. Um, my results from London, I've moved up four places on retrospective doping control since the Olympic Games. So it, um, it, it did impact my career. On, um, obviously, where I placed at the Olympic Games relative to competing against countries that were cheating um, mm. the system um, and also then the corruption at, at governance level as well where bribing for votes was, um, was quite a common place where we knew about it as well. Were you ever approached to dope? No, not myself. Okay. I, I, I've always been I'm quite proud of my stance, um, being pro Kiwi country kid, grew up, did the hard work, um, did start the fencing, dad said don't come home until you finish the fencing. So you kind of <laughs> carry home that, um, that kind of, I guess, mindset when you come into an athlete. And I, I believe the majority, if not all Kiwi athletes, have that mindset when it comes to doping that, hey, look, I want to go out to that um, p- pinnacle platform and know what I'm doing is, is because of my hard work. What is the weightlifting scene in New Zealand like at present? Is is it active? Is it is it strong? Yeah, you know, weightlifting in New Zealand has um, seen significant growth over the last 10 years. Um, we, we had some initiatives. When I first came into the sport, we had low participation for female weightlifters. Now we're at a 60% female participation, so the sport has swung dramatically. Um, we've got a young, enthusiastic group, but like, I think the main thing we're really proud of is kind of the diversity within our sport. Um, ethnicities represented. Um, obviously, we had um, a transgender representative at the Olympics, which was, I know, um, controversial, but at the same time, unique, and, and, and it certainly moves um, the thought process of people within sport forward. Um, weightlifting is in a really good position and, and the good thing about that is that we're in a strong position in New Zealand that we now feel comfortable and confident to voice our concerns at an international level and we're well respected, we're heard as well um, we have a member of our um, New Zealand weightlifting on the International Federation's Athlete Commission so they get their voice heard as well strongly at the table so um, I guess that's the thing about having a strong house of cards at home is that 
you feel more confident to bring your voice to the to the international federation. Your life is about coaching people to uh, lift weights, right? That's part of your your livelihood. If there was no weightlifting at the games, uh, would you be out of work? Um, well, obviously, we've still got the Commonwealth Games as well. So the Commonwealth Games is really, in terms of New Zealand weightlifting, our pinnacle. Um, that's where we'd be searching for our gold medalists and our podium. Um, we had success in Tokyo, obviously, with a number of our athletes, which gives us hope that Paris could be quite successful for us for an Olympic Games as a, as a, a weightlifting federation. Um, no, I wouldn't be out of job. Um, there's plenty of people still looking to learn how to lift correctly. Um, I work with a number of athletes from other sporting codes around the country that want to become more powerful. And luckily for me, I also run a manual handling business. So if someone doesn't want to put weight over their head, I still teach them how to load the trailer correctly. <laughs> hey, I, I do have a question for you. If, if a mum and dad are listening to you and saying, actually, I like this guy, I like the idea of my children maybe lifting weights, what is the, for you, is the safe age to start lifting? Um, so I've just re- well, recently, I did just recently return from Tokyo because I've just come out of, we came out of MIQ and into lockdown. So um, I've just come out of lockdown. But um, I started coaching my two athletes that went to the Olympics, Cam and Kana, at the age of 12. However, at the age of 12, we do movement-based learning. So we're on a broomstick, learning the rhythm, the technique, the positions, learning about body control. And then from sort of like your 15, 16, we apply some load. And then as we're getting older, we can like, it's, it's about the structures of the body, having the time to adapt. But majority of it is technical. So a young age when they're, but it comes down to maturity. If they can listen, if they can learn well, if they're enjoying the environment, um, that, mm, that's a good yeah. time to start learning. Yeah, everything's about environment, but in your, your sport particularly, technique. Technique is everything. Yeah, it's, 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 I like to call it gymnastics with the barbell. <laughs> it's not about strength, it's about movement. And, and that's the thing. Is I've worked with a lot of big, strong rugby players that come in and they see the little 50-kilo young lady in the corner moving much better than them, rhythm, powerful, with intent, and they come in and trying to move big weights horrifically. Um, they get a real respect for the sport very quickly. Yes, that's just the way to sort the big boys out, and that's what you do. Gymnastics with a barbell. Richie Patterson, thanks so much for your time, and just give us an insight into what has been going on and what is now going on moving forward for international weightlifting. Have a happy Christmas, Christmas buddy. No worries, you too. Richie Patterson, two-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist, live here on SENZ Mornings. If you've heard something that you want to talk about that Richie said, and what is your, what sport don't you want to see at the Olympics? I mean, do you want to see surfing, which we've had, or sport climbing, which we've had, breakdancing, for God's sake? Skateboarding, I wasn't enamoured with at Tokyo. Why don't you give me a call now? 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. If you do that and talk about those things, you go straight in the draw to win that free fight pass, courtesy of Sky Sport now to watch Parker Jazora 2 this coming Sunday morning. So get on it here on SENZ Mornings. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.48 Monday morning nationwide with SENZ. If you're listening on the app, hello, wherever you are, because it's a really cool way to listen. If you're listening in Australia through SEN, 
Good morning to you. Uh, by the way, Cameron, who just texted me, and I did say Ratchan, and I did say Ravindra, which is the name. So I got that right. And I, I apologize if I stumbled on Bengaluru properly. Okay, but I do pride myself on my pronunciation. Hey, if uh, I'm going to give you the chance now to call 0800 150811. That's 0800 Tell me what you thought of the F1 this morning. Max Verstappen winning his maiden Formula One championship. Tell me what you thought. You're going to draw to win that free fight pass to watch Parker Chisora 2 this Sunday morning. Thanks to Sky Sport Now. Get on it. The number is now 0800 150 Have a listen. We're going to have one lap of racing to decide the championship. Hamilton has the advantage. Verstappen has the faster, fresher tyres. And we have got 3.2 miles of racing action all the way to the chequered flag as the crowd roar the drivers on to the final lap of this race and Verstappen sets after Hamilton. Is it going to be a first world championship for Verstappen? Is it going to be an eighth world championship for Lewis Hamilton? Where can Verstappen try and get past Hamilton? First overtaking zone is normally down into turn five. Is Verstappen far enough back? He's going to make the lunge down the inside. Hamilton sees him coming. It's a late lunge by Verstappen who takes the lead of the race. Verstappen now snatches the championship trophy from Lewis Hamilton, who's trying to fight back. No DRS for two laps, so Lewis Hamilton will not get the rear wing open. He's now he's going to go down the outside. If Verstappen keeps it tight and neat, but he hasn't. He's gone a little bit wide. No, Michael. No, no, Michael. That was so not right. Here comes Lewis Hamilton, though, down the back straight. He's got a slipstream. He almost touches Verstappen. They almost make contact into turn nine. Verstappen stays ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Of all the drama, of all the controversy, of all the magic moments in Formula One in 2021, it comes down to this. And at this moment, it looks like it's going to go the way of Max Verstappen. Mercedes not happy. Red Bull will be delighted. They have shared a brilliant championship battle, but the championship can only be won by one, and it's going Dutch in 2021. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. And the first Dutch driver to do so, and when his father, Jos Verstappen, who was a Formula One driver himself, was looking at his son on the podium and the national anthem, he was crying, crying, crying. It was such a, you know what? I get goozy, goozies about that, goosebumps, because it was one of those wonderful father-son moments. And Max Verstappen had said earlier that week to uh, the team at Sky Sport F1, uh, I will win this championship. But boy, to do it on the last lap, was staggering and the appeal by Mercedes has been rejected uh, the thing here though they've just come out in the press and said they will appeal the decision why don't they just leave it alone I mean were you a Max fan or were you a Hamilton fan I'm frankly was was happy for Max right he, his attitude sometimes gets up my nose because he's quite blunt, but I think that's that's just him, and that's the way he's been raised, to be very black and white and straightforward. But it certainly proved to be one of the most entertaining seasons of Formula One, and, and that's what you want, right? Uh, some are saying it was manufactured. If it was manufactured, it was manufactured for the right reasons to allow a race to be finished with cars racing. Toto Wolf questioned the race director, Michael Massey, said, come on, revert, and he said, and he was really blunt, he said, Toto 
We are car racing. We are racing cars. There was no response. It's 9.53. Trudy has sashayed in with her summer glow, and she'll have news and sport with you coming your way at 10 o'clock. Mark from Sydney joins us on the SEN app. G'day, Mark. G'day, Steve. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Steve, he called me Steve team. Oh, he's not going to get on. Hey, uh, what's on your mind, Mel? Well, I just want to say thank you, first of all, for a great New Zealand sports radio network like you guys have, because I'm half Kiwi myself. My mum was from Murchison. I lived over there for a number of years. Good boy. And it's a pleasure to hear. It's a pleasure to hear you guys and girls on the radio bringing top quality to your work. Okay, okay. Good, good, good comeback from calling me Steve. Now, you've got about 30 seconds. Uh, what's on your mind? Okay. Well, I think uh, Max deserved his victory, and I think Lewis Hamilton should just sulk, suck it up and stop sulking, because in my opinion, the better team won, uh, skill-wise and talent-wise. Yeah, oh, it's an interesting one. I mean, you don't get seven with world championships without having a bit of talent, right? But you're right. They they got a faster car, but they were. I just think they were outmaneuvered on the day, mate, and, and that's the most important thing. What are, you, are you a fan of F1? I mean, is Max your go-to, or Red Bull, or what? Well, I always liked... Um, Growing up in the 80s, you know, guys like uh, Nigel Mansell and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, other guys like that. And I have to say, in a modern context, Daniel Ricciardo would be my number one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we, 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 like, we like Danny Rick, mate. He's a good character and the sport needs it. Hey, mate, thanks so much for joining us from Sydney. Thanks keep a lot. Keep on listening, pal. There you go. Just use the SEN app in Australia or the SENZ app in New Zealand. And you can listen on the go wherever you are. It's heading towards 10 o'clock. Trudy's just finishing off the final touches to the 10 o'clock bulletin. And she'll be with you in less than 20 seconds. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Big talk, big opinions. Ow! 10.03 on Summer Days in the morning with Stephen McIver. Nine through midday, 10 to 2 here next week. Looking forward to keeping you company and, and, and bringing you and sharing stories. And, but you've got to be part of it, right, this week? 0800 If you want to watch Parker Chisora 2 for free, thanks to Sky Sport now, get on the phone now, 0800 In the meantime, it's good morning, Jamie Wall. Good morning, Stephen. Good to be talking to you. Yeah, likewise. And Wurzel, Dave Wurzel, how are you, buddy? Is Dave there? Are you, are you awake, Dave? Hello? Are you there, Dave? Okay, well, Jamie, you and I will talk, we'll figure out the day. Hey, talk to me about uh, the F1. I love F1, right? So I, I stayed up, so I've had bugger all sleep today. What did you make of the finish? Oh, I'm still processing it, to be honest. Wow, uh, you're, pro- biggest, you're processing I'm, it. I'm, uh, well, uh, it kind of feels a bit yep. like an America's Cup kind of situation, to be perfectly honest. Just going a little bit faster. Yeah, that was I good. I heard something about America's Cup coming through there. Hang on, hang on, Dave. You're on air now. Settle <laughs> oh, down, yeah, mate. Just, you, we got you, Dave. <laughs> just settle down. Just, I'll get you in a minute now. Okay, so carry on, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel I saw a good tweet uh, earlier where um, someone's finally said that uh, if one might have cracked the American market by taking the American sports approach of just making up the rules as they go along. So oh. that's that's why I'm still trying, kind of figuring out exactly what what's happened here. Wow, and, um, wow. You I think cynic. there might be a few more, might be a few more days of um, of of news of the story to come out because I can't I can't really get my head around what exactly happened. But what a finish, though! I mean, what an amazing uh, theatrical, cinematic way to um, to to get this done in a, in a season where F1 has really 
uh, branched out and reached a whole lot of new fans, and, and this is just going to keep people talking. So it's a really fantastic thing for the sport worldwide. And so. Jamie, it needed to. It needed to because uh, it was getting stale, and they'll go to brand new cars next year, and hopefully be more competitive. What did you make of it, Wurzel? Well, great to see just like that. It's fantastic. I mean, you couldn't hope for anything more. It's almost as if it was pre-rehearsed, uh, but not. The thing that's happened this season is that the Americans have bought it, the uh, owners of the Atlanta Braves, and what has happened there is they've taken over the marketing as well, which is something that uh, Bernie Eccleston was trying to do was to get into the market in the U.S. because everybody wants in there. They've already got the Middle East, so they know that. Uh, Into China, well, that's always an interesting thing. But to get into the U.S. with a marketing team behind you that do the Braves and several other uh, sporting companies is fantastic. What they did, they started promoting... Uh, the rivalry between Verstappen and also uh, Hamilton. Hmm. Then they started getting a buy-in from the rest of the drivers as well. So you have to have the buy-in when you do this sort of marketing. And it's it's latched on a little bit. It's still small in the U.S. compared to um, you know NASCAR, but it's got a foothold again are you, are now. You, are you calling this, this Finnish a marketing stunt? <laughs> I'm saying it was almost like it was. Oh, my goodness. Having lived in the U.S., I would almost call it that sometimes these things do happen. However, I'm not saying this one was. I'm saying it was almost like it was, but it wasn't in the end. It was a fantastic finish. However, this is how marketing works in the U.S. This is how it works in sports <laughs> marketing in the U.S. Why do, you think this, why do we think that the U.S. has got anything to do with this finish? That's my question. I'm not saying it definitely did, but it was just perfect the way it finished. Okay. I'm not saying it was too perfect. It was perfect, though. Uh, well, you can, they, they are crediting Drive to Survive on Netflix for opening up the American market. But I think the most important thing we have seen, guys, is as we see in any sport, you need rivalries, right? You need rivalries for guys that are outspoken. And both Jamie Lewis Hamilton's outspoken in various areas. And Max Verstappen is just young and opens his mouth and says what he thinks, and he doesn't give a toss. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're good TV. You know, they're good content, yeah. um, and, and they're young, and they understand that. Uh, and I think just picking up on what, what Dave just, just mentioned there, and I, I understand what he's saying about how it almost seemed, seemed contrived to um, get people interested in it, but I think what they've done with Drive to Survive and with this uh, highlighting the, the rivalries that you, that you just mentioned mm. and highlighting these individuals is a real blueprint, and, and if I could just shoehorn rugby into this, is, you know, we've heard year after year of how you know, the US is this big untapped market that they've got to get into. Well, this is how you do it. You, you don't just take a product that, that, that we've got over here and just give it to them and say, oh, here, enjoy this. You need to come to meet them in the middle, or at least go to them uh, with something like this that, people, that grabs people's attention and does it in a different way. Can I, can I, ju- can I just it, say, rugby in America is a 100-year plan. That, is a hun- that will never crack it big time. It will always oh, no, be. No, it will true. never. It'll always be a niche sport, right? Not at all. But but, but I think uh, the point the point I'm trying to make is that like you know you have to try something different. And at the moment, um, you know, you almost have to kind of try something different in yeah. in the existing countries that rugby has. Yeah, look, because, and, uh, and, and the, of the lack of and the amount of money involved in F1 is ridiculous. Okay, uh, Wurzel, yeah. Breakers 0-3, not the greatest start. I saw uh, bits of the South Melbourne game, I think it was Friday, a little bit of yesterday's game. Uh, wasn't impressed because they look, yes, they're without some heavy artillery, but they just look a little directionless. Well, they shot the lights out in the first half, and then it, uh, I think they turned the lights out on themselves in the second half. 
I mean, they were just doing seven and seven from the floor from three-pointers. And uh, that uh, Bisson, he got about six uh, out of seven as well from the floor from three-pointers. These guys went nuts in the first half and led by 19. Second half, I think they forgot how to play. I don't know what they did there. I mean, they've got one injury with their American import. They've had Abercrombie, who's going to be out for a while. Uh, we're back in now, or coming back in. Uh, they've had issues, obviously, with COVID, etc. The, the only problem is, it's all very nice to say that we've had all these issues. But in the end, no one gives a shit. They just want you to win. Oh, completely. And, I mean, um, and having Rob Lowe on the bench intrigues me. Why are they not using him more? What's up there? Yeah, I, that, that's, that's a little bit unusual. Because, I mean, he, he is a strong man. Uh, he is a bit of a leader on the court. You know, it doesn't necessarily say much. He's always been that way ever since he was a junior. But, you know, he, he's a big man. He's a, he's a seven-footer or thereabouts. And they need a big. So I'm a little bit disappointed in this stuff. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, they need big. Um, yeah. Jamie? Yeah, yeah, it is very disappointing. And um, especially considering that they were up by, I think it was 19 at one stage in that game. And, um you know, I like if I could chuck in another metaphor in there, it's like they—it's not just that they ran out of gas in the second half; they pretty much just turned the engine off. Uh, I haven't really seen a, a performance uh, like that this year, where um, a team's just gone from good to bad so so far. They were outscored fifty-two twenty-six uh, in that second half, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's unacceptable, and and they know that. though. like, I, I don't think. Come on, Jamie. Throw a rugby really metaphor in there. <laughs> oh, no, I've already done, I've already shoehorned enough of that in, in here, and uh, you know, this close to Christmas. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that I, I think that you know the only way they can't get any worse from that second half. I can tell you that much. And um, I think that having Abercrombie out is, is really hurting them. Yeah, um, leadership, so, Le- leadership. Yeah. For me, it's yep. leadership, Jamie. And you know, we can we can talk about all the different things, but you need to be led, and he is the perfect leader. Uh, Olympics. So, LA twenty twenty eight. Thinking of dump, dumping weightlifting, boxing, and modern pentathlon. Uh, I'm not really interested in modern pentathlon. I am concerned of losing weightlifting and boxing. The reasons are pretty obvious: fixing and boxing, and doping and weightlifting. What do you think should happen, Wurzel? Do you keep them in or get get rid of them? No, I'm happy for them to go, and that's that's strange for me, considering I was uh, in Rio for the boxing and had to cover that for the uh, IOC. Uh, but there was just you you couldn't believe some of the things that were going on behind the scenes there, which we couldn't quite report on because we weren't allowed. Um, and it was just <laughs> diabolical. You know, we even said to them, well, the officials, so-called officials from the Boxing World Federation, said, "What's this?" And they said, "Oh no, no, it's all fine. Yeah, really, really." And, and it was almost like. I was expecting an envelope to be passed. In fact, there was happening, actually, but that's beside the point. Um, there was so much crookedness, and no one could actually explain how, how results were, came up with, because <laughs> yeah. there was just, there's no way that me against, uh, me against someone else was going to win. How was I going to win against a guy who's seven foot, but I landed not even one punch? Oh, no, but you won. Well done. Thinking, hang on, that's okay. not supposed to work. So, yeah, so, so, for you was pre- so for you, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, and the same in weightlifting. Working with the weightlifters in New Zealand doing their uh, their uh, nationals last year, um, you know, it's a shame because some countries try really, really hard to be as straight and as, to be as good as possible. And then you look at other countries, and we can name them if you want. But you know, you look at Kazakhstan, look at a lot of the other stands and Eastern Europeans. It comes yeah. down to the people who govern those countries. Rishi Patterson said exactly that. Jamie, what do you think? Do you keep them in, throw them out? Now, now I'm a, I'm a huge boxing fan. I love watching Olympic boxing. Um, so don't get me wrong, it's, it's a great, great sport. But Dave's 100% right. It, it's, it's, it's somehow even more corrupt than professional boxing. Um, and I've had plenty of uh, 
warnings over it. And I mean, this is this is not new either. This, this goes way back. You know, you remember in uh, 1988, the uh, Korean uh, fella getting um, uh, one over. Oh, who was it? The Titan Pro. Uh, anyway, it, it, you know, it's not new. Um, and and they've obviously had plenty of warnings, and and their, their luck's just finally run out. Yeah, uh, it's, and, it's a shame. And, and it's the story, a shame, there, right? The story, oh, it's an absolute shame. It's, it's a real, it's a real shame because it, it also pulls back the curtain on what happens in sports like this. So if you think, well, bo- if boxing's like this, well, what's happening in all the other sports? And obviously, weightli- weightlifting's had the curtain pulled back as well. Oh, yeah. And there's massive do- doping issues in there as well. Uh, and it's a shame because uh, you know it's a sport where uh, you know New Zealand has a bit of a vested interest. We've had success in there in the past, and um, obviously, there's a lot of. Um, interested in it this year for, for other reasons but you know it is something that New Zealanders would, would usually tune into uh, in, in a lot yeah, of I know. so yeah it's a shame but it's it, it's uh, unfortunately I feel like it has to be done okay one quick fire question for both of you best sporting moment of the year Jamie oh uh, hard uh, toss up between uh, Aja's uh, 10 wickets yep. um, last week uh, or the Blackburn Sevens winning the gold medal at hmm. the okay Dave Okay, there was a heat, but I'm going to say Paul Cole winning the British I knew you would. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to say that one. Gentlemen, Dave Worsley, Jamie Wall, thanks so much. Happy Christmas, lads. Thank you, Thanks for having 10.15, coming next to our feature interview of the day. Joseph Parker, live out of England, ahead of Parker Chisora 2. If you want to ask him a question... And go on the draw to win a fight pass. Thanks to Sky Sport Now. Get on the blower. 0800 150 811. With Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. 20 past 10 this coming Sunday live on Sky Arena or on Sky Sport Now. You can watch Parker Jazora 2. Should be an absolute cracker. Joe won the last one on a split decision on points, but got it home. And tonight on Sky Sport 1 at 8.30, the documentary Fight Back, which is all about Joe going over and having to train over there under a new coach before Parker Chisora won and the result. My brother from another mother, how are you? What's up, the big show? How's it going? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Fight week. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I actually, I, I am feeling. I feel good with a lot of the fights, but this this one is different because it's a first rematch, uh, longer camp. You know, I've had a great camp actually, a good environment to be in, and been putting in a lot of work. And you know, so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good. I've had a look at the documentary through Sky Sport, a sneaky peeky, and I got to say, it brought me to tears. Uh, and you never once cried through it, particularly with your your wife, Lainey, your mum, your dad. I, I I was impressed with your your emotional strength because mine wasn't there. <laughs> I think I shed a few tears. I, I don't know. Like it was quite. I was always, uh, you know, obviously changing uh, the, the trainers at the time and changing teams and flying to a new country and meeting up with a new coach. It was very hard and, you know, hard not knowing when I could get back and if I could get back. So, you know, saying bye to the family, that's probably the hardest thing I could, you know, the hardest thing in, in, in actually in boxing is leaving the family and being abroad by yourself. But it's all, it's all worth it, you know, at the end when, you, when you're training hard and you're, and you're fighting hard. Talk to me about your new trainer and what changes he has made that this time you won't be a split decision. It'll be either a knockout or just a clear points decision. Yeah, like, you know, with the first fight, it wasn't the longest time, but he, he changed a few things and I felt like I was, I was learning them, but I didn't have a lot of time to implement them properly. I think with this longer camp, I had time to understand it more and practice it more, 
put it into to play when I'm when I when I'm sparring, when I'm you know, punching a bag, when I'm on the pads. And I think going into this fight, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I have to back myself more. Like I have to have confidence in my power and my speed. I've been seeing what I can do on, on you know, inspiring and in the gym. So I'm just gonna take that and execute on fight night. And if I, I know what I can do, I just gotta execute it. And if I do it, it's gonna be a good night. It's gonna be a great night. Joe, good I don't want, I don't want, I don't wanna sound like a smarty pants here, but in the documentary, your coach talked about you have lapses within rounds, you know, l- lack of concentration. And we've seen I that bef- we've seen that before. And I'm not trying to be the smarty pants here, but so how are you working to to change that and stop that happening? <laughs> That's exactly what we've been working on. Uh, not losing focus, you know, for for a second or even like five seconds or ten seconds. Sometimes they do something really good and then they go away from it and I just sort of, you know, wander around in the ring and sort of lose focus. Where that's what I've been really working on, you know. And, and you can't in boxing, you can't really lose your focus. You can't take your eye off your opponent. You can't have a wandering mind. And that's exactly what we've been, you know, he's been teaching me and helping me with. And and I feel that I've made a big improvement on on that part. I thought the interesting part of all of this, and I know you'd said this before, but it makes more sense now, that ahead of uh, Parker Jazora 1, you actually weren't tired. You felt in previous fights you'd expended too much energy, but now you were a lot fresher. Are you even fresher now before Parker Jazora 2? I'm a lot fresher now. Like, when it's time to work here, there's no mucking around. It's intense. And I'm telling you, some of the trainings that I've had in this camp have been the hardest trainings in my whole life that I've ever done. But when it's time to rest, it's time to rest. And we've had, we have rest, you know, we don't wake up early mornings. We have rest in between our training sessions. We have a lot of rest after our training sessions in the evening. And I'm well rested. You know, I've trained and I've put in the work, but I'm well rested. And I feel like I haven't left everything in in the gym or left on the road, but I am going to take it all in with me on on fight night. So what do you want to do with Chisora? Do you want to stop him? And do you want to stop him early? Or are you prepared to go all the way? Nah. Like this, going all the way, I've done that many times. It's not, it's not exciting. It's not what, you know, it's not like the best feeling. The best feeling is knocking someone out. Um, like if I, I know what I do, I'm gonna do, and I know what I can do. I just want to go in there fighting. I want to go in there fighting. Be smart by fighting. Can you drop him? Of course, I can drop him. I had, I had the perfect chance to drop him and continue, but I didn't take my opportunity in the first fight. And this time, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let it slide again. Many successful stories come on the back of an environment, and the environment's really important, particularly when you're going to something like this, because you know it's mano a mano. You got you got no one else to help you out here. Basically, you're on your own. Uh, having Lane and the kids over, how important has that been this time? Oh, listen, it's very important. It's, it's you know the best feeling is going to train, go to work, come back, rest, have your food, go back to work, and come back and see your family at the end of the day. It's always nice just to get that, you know, just the, it's balance, right? And, and getting that environment where you can go train, work hard, see your family, but you know you did a job that you have to do, um, you know, not too far in the future. So it's, it's always nice to have a family around and get to see your kids smiling every day. But I know that I'm going into a different mindset going into this fight. You know, I have to be in a different mood or a different zone. And then I can have quality time after the fight. But it's nice to see them each day. This might be a bit of a spoiler for the documentary tonight on 8.30 on Sky Sport 1, but is your fight kit lighter than last time? <laughs> probably going to be heavier. Oh, what? What? <laughs> all the patterns on it. Oh, please. Come on, you can't do that. Listen, the, fight kit, the fight kit is a great, like, it's, you know, all these things, like, like, example, like tomorrow we're going to be packing our bags and the next day we're going to be leaving 
walk and go into Manchester and then the following day there's a press conference away and then you get your uniform and all these things are like different triggers and these things that get you more excited for the fight and I can't wait. I just can't wait to get the uniform. Can't wait to, to you know to go to the press conference, face him, look at him, and see what shape he's in, and then you know obviously go to work and fight him. I was quite surprised uh, watching the documentary how much of a nice guy he was. You you guys were sharing burgers afterwards. Oh, he's a nice guy, and a lot of respect to him and what he's done in boxing. And you know, after the fight, it's the trends. You know, it's trends, and you get a lot of respect because you're fighting each other, you're trying to bash each other, but. Before the fight and during the fight, uh, there, there shouldn't be any of that friendship. There shouldn't be any nice guy, you know. And I've had a bit of trouble with that in the past, but this time will be different. Yeah, some some people say you're not angry enough. You need to get angrier. No, I don't think I don't think angry is the word for. It. I think I just need to um, with that focus, that that focus, and, and having lapses. I think that's that people are taking that and saying that I'm not angry enough. But I think when I'm focused and I don't have lapses and what, if I can portray what I'm showing inspiring, it's going to be, oh, I'm excited. It's going to be great. You, you, you don't want to get angry because mama's, mama's going to whack you one, right? Because your mama has brought you up beautifully and she doesn't like trash talking, things like that, right? So you would never go down that path, would you? Oh, I couldn't. I, I, I think I tried and it didn't sound natural and it sounded like <laughs> I sounded hoarse. And it just didn't sound like I was, it didn't sound nice or right. So it doesn't. I just to myself and I think my mom said, just, son, just, just stick to what you know and, and stick to being yourself and don't change. <laughs> Mate, you are not a trash talker. I'll be blunt with you. Hey, uh, just quickly, uh, we're, we're talking to David Nika on Friday morning here, Thursday night, your time. How's he going ahead of his fight against the Frenchman, Capron? Oh, listen, David Nika is a great talent. He's a great um, addition to the team. And he's, he's one of those fighters who's very driven. Um, he's got like big goals that he wants to achieve in boxing, but he knows the importance of, of you know just taking away what, everything he's learned as amateur, and, and he's listening to Andy every day. I can see improvement. I can see him working very hard, and he's really he's really put in a great show. His, his debut here in the UK, and he's um, you know he's just great to have him around. And the good thing is he, he knows how to cook a little bit. Yeah, well, you can't. So that's 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 the handy thing about all this. What's it like being in? <laughs> and you know it. You know it. Don't even try and get past me on that one. What's it like? What's it like being in Tyson Fury's camp? Oh, Tyson is a beast. Like, there's levels to this game. All right, there's levels to, to to boxing, and he's on another level. So it's our goal. You know, us being here, he he pushes us and he gives us a lot. Of, like, he, you know, he doesn't leave anyone behind. And also, he just there's a lot of encouraging things that he he says, you know. It's, that's the reason why we're here, obviously, because Andy and Tyson, and, and it's a great environment to be in, you know, the, the winning environment. Mate, can you get it done early? Yes or no? Yes, I can. That's what I want yes, to hear. I that's, can definitely get it done early. You see, Max Verstappen said that this week, and we went out and won a Formula One World Championship. So now it's your turn. Go get them, Dave. We're all behind you. We'll be watching as well. Thanks so much for spending us some time with us here on SENZ. Say hi to uh, David Higgins for us, and uh, give uh, Lane and the kids a cuddle. Thanks, big show, and shout out to Kizza, Kizza Mendoza, <laughs> Kerry. <laughs> Kizza Mendoza. Oh, you mean Kerry? Is that his nickname, Kizza Mendoza? <laughs> That's his nickname. Yeah, that's his nickname. <laughs> Kiss him in Dozer. You're a good man. Good luck, show. buddy. And the big show. Oh, yeah, all right. Thank okay. You, Thanks, mate. Appreciate your time.
There you go, <laughs> Joe Parker. Yeah, my nickname's The Big Show. That's why he was calling me The Big Show. My name's The, the Big Show working. Kesa Mendoza is Kerry Russell, who is the who is the brains behind all those uh, lockdown videos, shoots them, produces them, the whole nine yards, and also a big and a, probably the main part of the documentary, which is on Sky Sport 1 tonight, which is called Fight Back. Uh, and it revolves around Joseph Parker changing coaches, going to uh, join up with Andy Lee in, in Ireland, and, and the fight with uh, uh, Chisora in the first one. It is well worth the watch. And we'll give you the chance to see it for free. Just call me now, 0800 150811. 0800 150811. Talk about the fight, talk about anything. You go on the draw for midday to be a winner with Sky Sport Now. on a Monday, the 13th of December, 2021, and the borders open if you're in the Auckland region on Wednesday. Here's hoping there's not a mad rush. I'm actually not rushing around. It'd be nice, though, to be able to go, let's just go down country, see about the whanau down, you know, in the Waikato, which is home territory, you know, Putaru boy, you know, the mighty Mulu. Although I have, I must say, I've come around because many years ago, John, I was saying to people, oh, no, I live in Auckland, now I'm an Aucklander. But you know what? The older you get, you just start to think about that a little bit differently, right? Yeah, back to your roots. Uh, Wayne Smith, Putaruru, I uh, think Wayne's, their favourite son. Wayne, yes, apart from me. Uh, yes, yes, Wayne Smith, uh, Lorraine Moller. Yes. Uh, bronze medalist in marathon and one of the, is that L84, was it, I think? Uh, Foxy was out in Litchfield. You know, so it's nice. Yeah, 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 mate. It was a lovely little town to grow up in. I can be on a beautiful town to grow up in, but town now is dead as a doorknob. Although yeah. home to Hunterhead and Miss Smiler. Yes, and one of the greats. Yeah. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. And in fact, uh, I used to live next door to her cousins. Yeah. Her cousins, yeah, her cousins, yeah, because they used to. My, my father used to work in the timber company called Peter Industries there, and a lot of timber workers hold on yards. It was, yeah, it was good fun. Uh, Joe Parker. So this is interesting. So I talked about the laps because I've had a sneaky peek, right? So I've a bit of a spoiler alert on what they talk about in the documentary. But you and I both know, as we have seen before, Joe does go missing, doesn't he? And that's a that's a huge thing you cannot can't afford to do. Yeah. Even in the um Joshua fight for the big title fight there, I thought at one point he could have just let go. Uh, and so many times I've stood up and yelled at my TV, yeah, Joe, just let go. Yeah. Um, I'd wonder why he doesn't. Is it because of the lapse in concentration, which seems bizarre for an elite athlete? Well, he admitted it there, didn't he? Yeah, he, he admitted did. the last time with Chisora. He had him on the ropes late, late in the fight, and didn't finish him off. And, yeah. and Chisora was hanging on to grim death. Yeah. If you remember too, and this is worth noting, Chisora dropped him seven seconds into the first round. Yeah. So that was a hell of a comeback, but. It's worth watching the doco tonight at eight thirty on Sky Sport One to get it. It gives you a different understanding as to he doesn't. And the, the really interesting thing about it, he doesn't admit that it was a. Uh, he was sad about leaving Kevin, but he knew he had to make change. I actually think he probably knew that two fights previously. Yep. Because yeah. he wasn't showing any improvement. He was getting them home, but he wasn't showing the improvement. And in this game, even though he's 28 now, he's still got he got a good another four or five years if he wants it, right? Yeah. But he's got to start showing Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, who are paying the bills, that he can knock people out. Because that's what yeah. we like, right? Exactly. And watching from afar, being casual fans, as a lot of us are, and just love Joseph Parker, like it just seemed like his career was stalling. A little bit, of course. Yep, he beat Andy fair. Ruiz. He got the belt, and we were like, "Here we go!" And then he had that Anthony Joshua fight, 
and then it just took the air out. It was like, maybe this guy isn't the world champion we thought he was. Is he up there with Joshua? Is he up there with Fury, etc.? That's fair. That's where we thought we were heading. And and that's a really fair call, John, because the one thing when he walked against Joshua, Joshua's a big man. Yep. Right, so we've got we've got these other giants like Fury, you know, giants of men who can box, even if uh, the the style of 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 Fury is a little unorthodox. Yeah, and it's amazing. But he gets he gets into this documentary as well, and it's really interesting to see how low key it all is. Mm. So it's not that whole flashy American style of you know people everywhere. Yeah, Money Mayweather, the the whole nine yeah. yards. It's a complete. It's back to basics, and I think it's perfect for who Joseph is and what he's trying to achieve. I, he's got a long way to go. I mean, you know, it's the the sad part's watching mum and dad not being able to go across and, and be with her. And, and the worry, the worry in his mother, but I'm not going to spoil the whole thing because I want to talk about with you about Kaikara France. We've been trying for the last what, 24 hours to try and get him, but I think he's been on the Terps with that $50,000 uh, bonus after being named one of the fights of uh, UFC 269. But watching him knock out American Cody Gabrant yesterday in 269, I was staggered at how a little guy, because Gabrat was a much bigger bloke, like physically imposing. Yeah. And Kaikara France just stood back and was really patient. And I was staggered at how, how he just got him. And when he got him, boom, thanks for coming. Yeah, I saw in the in the weigh-in um, when they had the showdown afterwards, he's a good foot taller. Yeah, he's five foot four. And I thought, how he's is no, he going to knock four. out this guy? Yeah. You know, like Kaikara Fant's so small, but man, he had the eye of the tiger. Like we talked about um, with Joseph, you know, do you fight angry? He's like, nah, it's not my style. Well, I think Kaikara France, oh, yeah, it's yeah. definitely his style. Well, well, it is too. It's interesting that Joe fighting angry because, you know, they, some people say, look, Having boxed amateur boxing, like okay, corporate fights, remind you, us you, all who you fought again. You know, yeah, you're either you're either a boxer or you're not, right? You, because it's the bravest place to go in. So, yeah. anyone has a crack at me about being beaten up a couple of times, I don't really care. Oh no, the, you got the, in the, there. The, I couldn't the fact, get in. The there, fact right? is, yeah. to get in any box that gets into a ring is special. But to be a champion, you you have to have a little bit animal in you. You have to have this ability to take punches. And then dish out, dish out the dirt, right? Mm. And I think that's a really well. It's just, it's what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's animalistic in many ways. That's probably not the right word I'm looking for. And and when you know you're not, that's when self doubt comes in. Joe has been boxing since he was knee high to a grasshopper, right? Yeah. His father Dempsey was named after Dempsey, the mm. the, the boxer, right? Jack Dempsey. Jack yep. Dempsey. And so he had. Had taken him boxing for years and years and years, and it was it's ingrained in Joe. He knows literally nothing else. Yeah, and I think what we are all wanting is just the big one. You know, yes. a unified title. Does he get to a unified title? I, I'd I'd put a question mark over it. But you don't know with this particular division because it's changing a little bit, right? Yeah, people get ordered to defend their belts left, right and centre. One could just pop up all of a sudden if like, our Fury doesn't defend it against, well, I think, Dillian, uh, Dillian White. White. He's yeah. been ordered to defend it. But if that doesn't make the money, then he won't do it. And that belt then becomes available. And that's why Parker's uh, still going and still believes he can be a world champion, I believe, because you never know when a belt frees up yeah. and he wants to be that guy who's right there and he's ranked well. Uh, in about two or three organisations. Yeah, his so. rankings have gone up in certain divisions, which yeah. is really important. If you want to watch the Parker fight, uh, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Uh, talk to us about the Parker fight. Talk to us about F1. Talk to us about UFC 269, uh, which was an absolute stunner. But David Nikia is the one for me, mate. Uh, we know he's a physical specimen. We know he's appealing to the eye. 
for, oh, the, yeah. for the fairer sex, <laughs> yeah. or maybe you as well. No, I keep my shirt on when I see David Nika, that's yeah. for sure. Tell me about it, yeah. A da- dad, dad bod. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Although I am working hard at the box office now at Banging Bags again, so it feels good. But it's interesting to, to hear him talk about uh, – changing the way Joe Joe a moment ago on SCNZ how they're changing the way Nika fights because there was real concern by local boxing people here that they watched his Olympics and went well you should have done better than that and the cynics the skeptics were saying well actually I don't think he's going to be much I think he needs to stop worrying about the calm games and needs to worry about being a pro because the raw talent is there. And as you heard Joe say, they know what they've got. Yeah, and he's so marketable and everything. It's... It's bizarre. I was, um, I've been following David Nika for age, what, 2014 was his first Com Games, was it? And he's mm-hmm. still going for another one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the, fa- I don't know what the fascination is. I yeah. think what struck me in Beijing was his post fight interview. And what struck me the most was the mental game. And he'd been struggling. He'd been, he'd been working out uh, in Hamilton at the gym down there and, and no real coach. And he's on his own. He's got his mates around him, his boxing team-ish, amateur team-ish or, you know, but there was zero direction and he was, I, I felt that he was lost on that one interview. I thought, well, mate, why don't you just, you know, the opportunity's here. And I'd said to him a couple of times, just go to England. You know, I'd, I'd had off-cuff off discussions with him. I said, there's plenty of opportunity for someone yeah. like you. So he's obviously listened to the right people and gone, okay, but for, but for me, give up. Give up the com games. You yep. don't need it anymore. Yeah, when he was in that semi-final at the last Olympics in Tokyo and he was fighting against a better fighter and it well, just looked like seed. everything just went out the window and his fists, it was like a, a cat with a you know a, a yeah, yeah. ball of wool and he was just trying to grab <laughs> it as fast as he could and it, he was like, right, the pace is there. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's quick with his hands, but the technique Defense. just went out the window. Yeah, and, and defensively he got caught out and he was wearing a lot of shots. And, and you know, and as I, I mean, he's cruiserweight, right? He'll be a cruise, cruiser. He's a cruiser, right? Yeah, a cruiser, it's a, right. Gr- a, a tough division, right? Really tough division, but a, a good division to be involved in. So if you want to watch David Nika fight or, of course, Joseph Parker, the main event against uh, Derek the War Trezora, two then uh, give us a call now, 0800-150811. That's 0800-150811, and you could be a winner thanks to Sky Sport. Now we'll give you that free fight pass before, that's right, before midday, but you've got to call us and join the conversation here on SENZ. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.48 on Monday, December 13, 2021 with Stephen. 0800 150 is the number. That's 0800 150 You ring me and have a chat about what's been going this morning and over the weekend. You go on the draw to win that Sky Sport Now pass, the fight pass, to watch Parker Jazora 2 free on Sunday morning. G'day, Chris. G'day, mate. How's it going? Yeah, good, buddy. What do you want to talk about? Uh, I'm real keen to talk about Parker and and, and Nico, I'm, um, I'm massive fans of both these both these boys. I'm so excited for David Nika. Um, you know, I remember watching him um, in that first Olympic gold medal. The, you know, the kid's got some serious passion behind him, and he's got um, brilliant skill set. I mean, seeing him uh, in in the Olympics against the um, you know obviously the, the gentleman he lost to in the semi final mm. from 
um, Russia or Ukraine, wherever, wherever it was. You know, that was a tough battle against a guy that had won something like several hundred fights. Yeah, he was, a, he was, was a beast. Ridiculous. He was an absolute monster, and he he, he played his part and um, did incredibly well before that. But, but, you know, what an opportunity for David Nika. He's, you know, and you've got to give someone like Joe massive credit for looking after his fellow countrymen. I mean, he's, he's over there. He's, he's now training with Andy Lee. He's training with... Um, Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champ of the world, and comfortably the the top the top dog, you'd have to say. And you know, for a for a guy like David Nika, who's who's made one, you know, one pro fight and just done, um, you know, some pretty, you know, his first, his first pro I, his first pro fight was pretty average. To be fair, it lasted what? Oh, it was a joke. It was a joke. It was it was it was a setup. It was just a thing. But that uh, I mean, for, for me though, Chris, the question is, I, I think forget about the com games, man. But if you want to be pro, get just yep. get on with it. Are you with me on that? Yeah, I am. I can I can I read the um, an article about him on it, and he is he's very much driven by history. Nobody's apparently done the three peat for the com games, so. He can do it. He can still have a couple of pro fights mm, that's right. and go on to to the, to the com games. But I'm with you on the degree that his the most important part is focusing on his professional career because that's where his future is. Um, however, he can. I think if he focused on that, the training and the level that he'll get to um, should put him in you know in tip top nick to go and absolutely demolish whoever's in front of him at the Com Games anyway. So he's, he can do two or three fights, I think, yep. before the Com Games. So he might may as well, you know, absolutely soak up everything he can like a sponge, go out there. Uh, most importantly, he needs to put on a sensational performance yeah. because Eddie he Lotus. wants his name in light. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's <clears> no <throat> doubt about it. And he's, he's a young guy that over, over in the UK they won't have heard of. So, Chris, um, I've got to move just quickly. When does, what round does Parker get it done? Uh, I think I think it'll take a few. I'm picking round eight. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, he, I'll hold you that one. Massive heart to get back up. All right. Yep. Thanks he, for... Yeah, massive heart to get up in that last fight in the first round. But he's got to, he's got to show the improvement this time around. Mate, appreciate you calling SENZ this morning and you're in the draw to win that fight pass. Thanks so much. 0800 150 811. It's 10.51. Scarred <laughs> into my, etched into my memory like all my bad punting stories when you told me it's not Steve, <laughs> it's not Steven, so I called you Steve-o, like uh, jackass. Yeah, but that, yeah, I don't know yeah, if that yeah, yeah nah, mate. <laughs> so JD's like, come what's, on. What's going on? What's going on? Talk to me, sugar lips. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, look, plenty. This weekend it was huge, mate, um, Tarapa. They had, so we had these abandonments at Trentham the week before, mm. uh, meaning that there was a Group 1 race and a Group 2 moved up the island to Hamilton to Tarapa, and it made a bumper day. Now, here's... Because that's a Baz, because he got, he snaked his way into a table, right? Oh, yeah. I heard that this morning. Yeah, yeah. Trelawney starred Cherry yeah. and Brent Taylor. Now, the best part of that is they had an absolute field day, so... We don't even know if this has ever happened in racing before, but Roger James and Robert Wellwood, they are training yeah. the stable. They trained the Group 2 Waikato Cup winner. Uh, sorry, the Group 2 uh, Phillies and Mears race, the um, Izuzu Cow Stakes. So the that was cheaper than divorce won the Waikato Cup. They had the winner of the Group 1 in Tuolissa, and then they also trained the winner of the Group 3. So they got a complete set here. And Danielle Johnson did the same thing as a riding as a jockey. So it's incredible. Groups one, two, and three. I don't know if this has ever happened before. How much do you think Baz made? 
Oh, nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. No, he didn't. Seriously, he said this morning. Terrible didn't. weekend on the punt for all of us. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. Loveracing.com. Or what was it? Love racing what? Love racing. Dot NZ. Dot NZ. I was close. Love racing at NZ. Thanks, uh, Louis. All right, time to talk to Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Download the app and uh, gamble responsibly. Paul, what's hot today? Uh, well, I guess if you have a look at the NFL, there's a big, big NFC North matchup between Dallas, the Green Washington. Bay Packers oh, no. and, the, and the Chicago Bears. Oh, please. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a bonus back promotion on that match. Yep. Currently, the Packers are $1.15 to win that match. The Bears, $5. Um, the Packers are 11.5-point favourites, and the total for the game right now are 43 flat points. So uh, we have taken cash on the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to continue on their winning ways. Of course, they're coming off a very tough victory last weekend against the Rams, yeah. and they've already beat the Bears this season. So uh, not looking good for the Bears. The Packers at the top of that division as well with a 9-3 and record, mm-hmm. and very hard to see them not coming away okay. with the points yet. And the money would suggest that. I reckon I reckon keep your eye on Mac Jones and the Patriots, but also my Dallas Cowboys, but I think we might struggle. Thanks, Paul. That's Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Download the app and gamble responsibly. It's heading towards 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Trudy's here with news and sport. Then after that, we talk to Yanni Wetzel from the Sky Sport New Zealand Breakers as trying to figure out why they are 0-3. Plus, we'll talk to Matt Koch from Speed Cafe across the ditch about this morning's Max Verstappen Championship win here on SNZ Summer Days. Eleven oh three on a Monday morning with Stephen McCarver. Summer days in for Smithy, who's taking a well-deserved break in his estate in the Bay. It's time to talk b-ball, the NBL, and that's not a great talking point at the moment. The Sky Sport New Zealand Breakers seeing it zero and three, but there are some bright spots to fight, despite the fact that they are down on power. Okay, Abercrombie, Siva, and the likes. Uh, one of those highlights. He's turning into a bit of a highlight reel at the weekend, actually, was the ex-Westlake boy and uh, Yanni Wetzler, who joins us right now. G'day, Yanni. Hey, Stephen. How you going, mate? Mate, I'm okay. How are you guys going? Break it down for me. How are you feeling right now? 0-3. Hate to be blunt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's obviously not the dream start you wish for um, coming into the season, and we've struck some adversity, and obviously that COVID stint and then having some injuries out, it hasn't been the most ideal start, but... Um, you know, it's still early. It's still plenty yeah. more basketball to play, and we're kind of looking forward to the next game. Um, that's our mentality, and it's a next man up mentality at the moment because you know we're losing. We've got three starters out at the moment, and hopefully get Tom and, and Jeremiah Martin back next weekend, um, which will be a huge morale boost for the team. Um, but yeah, it's obviously really frustrating. We're honestly just trying to stay together, um, keep the positivity, and aim for the next next game. All right. I had a look at the Southeast Melbourne game and bits and bobs of your, your game against Adelaide. And I, the one thing that struck me, and I've watched a bit of basketball, in fact, it's the first thing I ever did on Sky, you just looked a little lost. There, there, there doesn't seem to be the gelling that we would expect. Am I being unfair? Yeah, I think it's it's a new group. Um, we had that stint where, you know, there was Hugo and I who were starters who didn't touch a ball for two weeks. Um, the rest of the team had to isolate for six or seven days. So, you know, it, it has its impact um, to play a high-level sport like this and come off, you know, a week without doing any exercise. You, you do lose that step and 
Um, it's going to take, you know, another week or so to, to really start gelling and get back onto um, the level that we need, we need to be playing at. Um, we are, we felt like our first half yesterday was amazing. We felt like we played really great high IQ basketball. Um, and that's the most important thing. We definitely didn't have the star power that we needed to close out the game and some guys um, lost their legs near the end of the game. But um, we know what we're capable of. We know we have the locker room to do it. So it's just a matter of putting the performance for 40 minutes together on the floor. I don't want to be too hard, but when you say you lose your legs, should you be losing your legs at the start of the season? Shouldn't this be the point where you, you're actually at your, your fittest? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, for sure. But when you have six-man, seven-man rotation, it's tough. You know, you, you don't expect to come in and play 40 minutes every game um, from an off-season. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. and it really does suck having guys like Tom and Jeremiah and obviously now Siva out. So they're big losses. Um, it's been an adaptation process these last few days. So, I mean, Tom and the, the influx um, of Tom and Jeremiah this weekend is going to be massive for yeah. us. I mean, just having the extra two-man rotation, there's an extra 10 minutes for each person, you know, to sit on the bench and regather and regroup and get some time to get their legs under them. Um, and, and like I said, with the COVID stuff, it has been tough, but no excuses. Um, you know, we get paid good money to do what we do, so um, we have to get on that front. It must have been fun going up against South East Melbourne, though. Your, your points production was all right, 8 from 12 from the floor, 18 points. Were you, were you happy with that, And uh, despite the result? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I felt like the ball was going in. My teammates were finding me in good positions. Um, I had a solid couple games, but I think I do have to take another step up um, you know, it's been a change from my, my team last year. You know, I was more of a role player. Now I feel like I've got to step into a bigger role and not only on the court um, from a leadership standpoint, uh, I strive to keep continuing um, in that aspect. So you, you've got, it's not, it doesn't get easy. This is a tough league. You've got the Hawks uh, this first, first up and then, uh, on this, and then Melbourne on Sunday. I mean, uh, how do you approach this? I mean, what is, what is Coach Dan Shamir saying after this? What did he say after Game 3? Yeah, it's been uh, it has been a rough start. But the thing about this league, I mean, there's ten teams. So within one game, you can jump three, four spots, especially this early in the season. So we're not trying to overthink. You know, he was he was proud of the fight. Obviously, he was frustrated with the way we finished off the game. Um, and then we got to put two halves together. That's kind of the issue at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, Illawarra is going to be a very tough one come Friday. Um, top of the league, they got great star footed power. Um, but like I said, I think. Mean, Having Tom and and, and uh, Jeremiah and, and Jeff back into this team is going to give us a great boost. Um, you know, a bit more depth around the, in the in our team, and then we got Melbourne after that. So every game is tough, but I mean, the, the luxury of this of this league is that there's only ten teams, so you get one or two wins, and we're right back in the mix of things. You know, it's, it's very early stages. We can't overthink the situation. Mm-hmm. Right now. Yeah, no fair play. Eleven turnovers against Adelaide. That's is that all about concentration or concentration and fatigue? 11 turnovers altogether? I think it was 11 turnovers altogether, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's not that's not terrible. Isn't you it? aim for under 12 in a game. No, you aim for under 12 in a game. So. Oh, wow. Well, okay, I'm um, teaching myself yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, not, not too terrible. All righty. So, so, so moving forward, the the re-addition of Tom Abercrombie, what does that bring? You, you say it's a big boost, but what does it actually bring on court when Abercrombie's there? Oh, it's massive. I mean, that's our that's our leader. That's our captain. So, not only from his talent perspective, um, which we all know what he can do. You know, shoots the ball incredibly well. One of the best defenders in this league. But having a captain back in the team is is priceless. And 
we've definitely missed him out there, you know, that leadership, um, whether it's by example or, you know, his vocal presence. Um, he's a great addition for us this week. So I'm very much looking forward to him coming back into the team. I have to ask this question. You got COVID. Um, was it a mild form being double-dosed? For me, I was pretty lucky to get a while away from it unscathed. I only really had mild cold symptoms, you know, a sore throat, some congestion. Um, when I tried working out in, in ISO, I had some um, some heart, um, some chest cramps and things like that. But other than that, I was pretty good. I didn't have any fevers. Um, I didn't have any aches or loss of taste or smell. So um, in terms of my symptoms, they weren't too terrible. Um, that speaking from my perspective, I think a lot of other guys had it a lot rougher than I did. I know Hugo, um, he did this one. He really struggled and be out of bed for four or five days. Um, our head coach, Dan, he um, got hit really bad. Same with Matt, our owner. Um, so I think out of all the guys that got hit, I was the one that kind of got lucky um, with the symptoms. Wow, we, we live in a strange world. But you talk about Hugo, 25 points the weekend. What do you like about yeah. this cat? Oh man, he's he's just a natural talent and like very special kid. He's 20 years old, um, plays with this ultimate confidence, uh, ultimate belief in himself. And he talked about it the other day in that post game presser, just how if he goes 0 from 10, it doesn't matter, it doesn't change his mentality, his confidence remains the same. He's very level headed, um, but he's a baller, man. Like he doesn't even need to go train. Like he came out of ISO 14 days later, played two days after that. And um, they had a great game, and he's just one of those guys that you know picks up a ball and shoots the cover off it. So he's a, he's a natural player, and I look forward to seeing him in the NBA. Has he opted for the draft, the NBA yeah, draft? He's, uh, yeah, he's in he's in kind of that, that talk um, draft discussions, and I'm sure that'll be his goal for next year. What about Yanni Witzel? What about him in the NBA? Where does that stand? That's the dream, mate. That's the dream. Yeah, hopefully one day, and I think I'm in a great. Um, to be, you know, playing in front of scouts and stuff, having guys like Usman Ding and, and Hugo Besson who are on this team, you know, so they're obviously getting the exposure. And the team's getting watched, and um, it's just a matter of putting good performances together on a consistent basis and, and getting some wins, honestly. You guys did it tough last year. We watched the Unbreakable documentary, it's, and again, it's going to be tough again. Hopefully, you're going to get back for some, some games in New Zealand. I mean, how, how what, did, what has the team learned from last year that they can take into this year? Yeah, I think uh, I wasn't. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, year, so I can't speak too much on yeah. you know what they went through, but looking from the outside in, it did not look very easy. I mean, they were hotel jumping for months on end. Um, I think they were here for a total of six months. So, um, can't imagine that would have been easy. But they said, you know, I think there's a lot more certainty and structure with the fact that we're situated in Melbourne this year. They're not just jumping from city to city, depending on whoever goes into lockdown. So. It's nice to have that. Most of the guys have their families here. Tom Abercrombie is the only one without his family. Um, but the other guys, you know, they're, they're pretty comfortable. they got their partners and kids here. So um, there's definitely a bit more certainty as to the whole situation. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it is what it is. It's a professional sport. Everyone goes through the BS that, that they do. Um, it's just a matter of trying to find one ways to put wins on the board. Well, you got Brian Gorgian and the Illawarra Hawks on Friday. Uh, who do you need to shut down to try and jag that first one of the season? Yeah, yeah, I think Tyler Harvey, the, the point guard's one of the biggest problems in this in this league, so we've got to make sure that he doesn't get off to a hot start early. Um, their new centre, Duot Reef, had 27 points last game, um, shoots three well, so 
got to make sure we cover him too. Um, but they've got some they've got some good pieces, so it's going to be um, a full five man job to, to shut down what they're doing. Is it a busy travel week then? Yeah, for sure. We um, we fly to Illawarra on Wednesday, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday, and then back to Melbourne to play Melbourne United on Sunday. All right. Well, you get. Oh, I suppose you'll say you'll, you'll miss the Parker Chisora fight. Will you? We won't be able to watch that anywhere. Sorry, what was that? Yeah, Joseph Parker, Derek Trezora, the fight this weekend. Their their second the second fight. You won't get a chance to watch that at all. Or doesn't does it yeah, not interest no, you at all? No, no it does. I missed Kaikata last night. I was I was hoping to see that one, but we were um, <laughs> mate, getting ready for the game. So. Mate, you should try and find that one. That was an absolute stunner. Yeah, I mean, two two sixty nine. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but even better, Pena Pena uh, ta- getting yeah. getting uh, Amanda Nunes to tap out. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Hey, Yanni, thanks yeah. so much for your time, buddy. The best of luck. It will turn. It will turn. Have yeah, faith. Well, well, that's the one. Got to have the mindset. You got it, buddy. Thanks for your time, pal. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah, you're welcome, Cheers. Yanni Wetzel, Centre for the Sky Sport New Zealand Breakers. So, Johnny, it's uh, interesting, eh? Uh, he had the, he had COVID. Uh, said he got mild forms. Others got it, you know, a little harder than him, but he's... Interesting to talk about Hugo Besson, right? He's a baller. He he's is. an absolute baller. And Holy. He's, he's silky too. Yeah, I knew nothing about him. Absolutely nothing. Uh, this 20-year-old from France. And I thought, oh, here we go. Again, I don't know. I don't <laughs> what do you know, mean, here we go? Well, I just thought with <laughs> You're Matt, innate. <laughs> well, just with Matt Walsh and this team, he just seems to buy imports every year and they come and they go. And I didn't want to fall in love with this latest <laughs> import because then they just leave again. Oh, so um, you've fallen in love, love with the Frenchman? I'm in love. Mate, yeah. What is going on with you today? Mate, he is. David go- Nicky with his shirt off, Hugo Besson, a Frenchman, you've fallen in love. Yeah. Man, do you need to take a moment? Yeah, it's summer days. It's summer <laughs> days, man. We're into it. Um, but no, I was really impressed and they, they were shooting so well, but like Yanni just said, the, they only had a seven-man rotation yesterday. People were playing heavy minutes. The legs got heavy. Those shots that were going in in the first half were missing under fatigue. Uh, and just, you know, Hugo Besson had COVID recently. Yeah, so that. did Yanni Wetzel. Yeah. Yanni, you know, he's playing so well. They need to use him more in the paint. He is just shooting the lights out as well. So add in Abercrombie, add in Jeremiah Martin, yeah. very good American. The director. Yeah, exactly. A, a veteran know. director, but you need a director, right? Because he's, he's, as he said, Abercrombie's their leader, their man, their king. Yeah. But on the floor, he's not, he's not that guy, right? No, yeah, and no, that's and, what Martin's there for. Yeah, and we, yeah, you've got to run it from the point. You've got to have one of your guards, yeah. and Abercrombie's a swing man on the sides, putting on the finishing touches. And uh, Yanni Wetzel even said himself, he needs to stand into a leadership role. He's 25 now. He's new to this team, but he is an experienced basketball player and a very good one. So they do have the makings of a good side, Stephen, but they got COVID. Their last preseason game was... <laughs> but they got COVID. Yep, oh, well. It was washed out. They <laughs> were without their coach and three best players uh, for their first game. And now they're getting players back. So 0 and 3, yeah. keep the faith. Yeah. Oh, please. What what year was that song from the Warriors, Keep the Faith? What what, what oh, it's just a matter of faith. Oh, it's just a matter it's just a matter of faith, yeah. And and Owen Gutenbeel singing poorly. It was horrible. But yeah, you know, it's ingrained in our memory. It's a matter of faith. It certainly and, is. Oh um my and gosh, I just I can't believe you threw that one out. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, the Warriors, they they've been doing a lot tougher than Breakers fans. That's I, for sure. I spoke to uh, a good friend of mine, um, Jace, Justin Morgan, who's there, one of the assistant coaches, and I just said to him, hey, look, how's Ash Taylor going? You know, the guy they picked, the million-dollar kid they picked up the Titans on a train-and-trial contract. Yeah. And I said, does he look like a starter? He says, if he keeps going the way he is, yeah, he's a starter. So that really throws another another little interesting twist into the halves combination, the halves, right? yeah. Chanel Harris-Tavita, right? Yeah. Sean Johnson's obviously going to start because they're paying him a foot Six or seven. Have I, missed, have I missed anyone else? Have I missed the other halves? Cody. 
Cody Nicarima. No, I've told you lads before, <laughs> Cody Nicarima is a 14. So you're not even going to go there on the okay. halves, okay? So can we, can we just drop What's that? What's Jazz Tavanga then? A 13. Jazz Tavanga, well, yeah, he's a good – I actually like him as 13 or yep. a hooker. Yeah, okay. But you got to – because Egan's, Egan's re-signed, right? Yes. Oh, here we here we look yes. the smiles on the boys' faces starting to talk footy oh, and it's and, love and, it. and this pre it's preseason so <laughs> the word I have from inside the camp because one of the moles obviously is the coach he's my mate says that uh, Ash Taylor looks good he's turned up and he's turned up fit not fat he's turned up fit and that's that goes a long way to impressing coaches yeah. preseason well because he's on this deal right can you explain train, this deal mate, to us well I, all I know <laughs> is training trials so if you do okay they exactly. might they may give you a contract or you can keep going and they'll just pay you uh like a weekly thing so turn yeah. up fat you're not going to get a contract but turn up keen and fit well no you've no you've got no. a chance well, so this yeah. type of contract will work well <laughs> for I Ash think, Taylor I think your training trial means this is your last chance saloon pal mm. so here's your chance to get any and apparently weight lifted off the shoulders so he's not not the rock star expectations are low so it's all good for him so I'm going to watch that one with interest and I told you I was right by the way I told you Puma would be remember the last time I was on here I said I told you Puma would be there then you yes you sponsor, did then you sponsor yeah. you, you're just agreeing with me because it's just the hell of it it's 11.18 summer days with Stephen McIver <laughs> John Day and Brian in the in the studio keeping me in check uh, if you want to watch the Parker fight for free Get on the phone now. Here's your cue to call, as they say in music radio. Cue to call 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Have a yarn to me about anything we've been talking about, the weekend in sport, what you got up to at the weekend. You could be a winner before midday here on SNZ. Stumped by Stephen. That's wow. right, stumped wow. by Stephen. You've even got your own intro, Stephen wow. McIver. Wow, aren't I lucky? Mate, you are very lucky. Uh, it's not like an l- advent calendar. <laughs> How good are they, by the way? <laughs> like, I bought one for my son, who's one and a half. Shouldn't be eating chocolate, but I really bought it for myself. Yeah, too. Well, you're up to Christmas Eve already? Oh, yeah, I've opened up all the doors. You know it. You know it. Oh, you know, it gets late at night, and oh, you just want a little oh, bit of chocolate. I miss those years. Uh, Kerry, you're first through today for Stumped by Stephen. How are you, mate? Yeah, good you, guys. How are you? Yeah, we're doing good. Uh, do you have an Envic calendar? You enjoying the chocolates and the Christmas spirit? Well, I've got a full fridge of beer. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, 24, spirit. Yeah, 24 pack, open one every day, or yeah. at least one. Anyway, Kerry, you know how this game works, don't you? Three sporting categories, yeah. you choose one, then get three questions right, and you win. But as soon as you get one wrong, Stephen McIver can step in and stump you, and you can leave with nothing. But he's not very confident. I'll tell you that much, Kerry. Uh, your categories today, boxing, rugby league, or basketball? Which one of those gives you the best chance, do you think? Um, league. Yeah, he's saying league, I'll go boxing. All right. All right, let's get started. Have any fights in your time, Kerry? Stephen's had a couple. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch Stephen's one. Good stuff. I hope you watched the last one because I won that one. <laughs> all, right, all credit all credit for getting in the ring, Steve. Thank you, brother. Exactly, exactly. All right, Kerry, question number one. Manny Pacquiao is a legendary boxer from which country? Uh, he is the Argentina. Oh. One of the worst things 
I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Manny Pacquiao was not from Argentina. So over to you, Stephen, for a stumping. Jeez, confidence. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Unlucky Kerry, he is from the Philippines. I think, is he going to be president of the Philippines? He wants to do that, yeah. Yeah. Unlucky Kerry. Cool. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Happy Christmas. And a guy who we love here on Stumped by Stephen slash Smithy is Alan from Fakatane. How are you, Alan? Good, mate. Fakatane. Yeah, you and Benji. (laughs) The boys. Excellent. Uh, How is your boxing knowledge? Um, Yeah, pretty average, but we'll have a crack. Yeah, yeah, we'll have a crack, of course. This was all about in boxing. All right, question number two. The WBC has ordered Tyson Fury to defend his belt against who? And I think we have talked about this this morning. Ah, uh, crap, I've only just tuned in. Um... <laughs> he's, beaten, uh, he's beaten Joseph Parker, this guy. Oh, hey, come on. Yeah, sorry. She was. Uh... Oh, blimey. Now no, I'm gone because it sounds like Steve's got me. <laughs> One of the okay, worst no, things no, I have no. ever seen done on a cricket field. Yeah, yeah, you've got nothing. So, Stephen, Dillian you know. White. Dillian White. Dillian White. Oh. There's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, two and two. away it goes. Come on, fire. You're on a hat trick. You're on a hat trick. <laughs> Unlucky, Alan. And we go over to Lucky Last. So, either it's going to be a hat trick and jackpot to tomorrow, or Simon, you're going to walk away with 50 bucks and some sleep drops. So, how's your boxing knowledge? Uh, pretty average, too, actually. Okay. Okay. Well, let's hope this is uh, easy enough for you to get. Joseph Parker's yep. back in the ring this month in a rematch. Against who? Um, Derek Chisora. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Congratulations, Stephen. You have won 50 bucks from the TAB and also those sleep drops. Daytime Revive. Try them for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges, but read the label. Take as directed. Sleep drops, Auckland. Congratulations to you. Cheers, mate. It's Simon. Simon. <laughs> yeah, it's Simon. Oh, who did I call him? Stephen. Oh, Stephen. Stephen. Oh, there's one Stephen, one Simon. Congratulations, Simon. Well done. You're a winner. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Unbelievable. I get to answer two right. I get nothing. He walks away with the goodies. Is that how it works? Yes. So I can sulk. Am I allowed to sulk? Yeah, you can sulk, in, but you can't sulk for too long because we've got to talk Formula One. Oh, all right. This is just Summer Days with Stephen. It's 11.37. Back in a month, we talk F1 with Speed Cafe's Mac Coach. Or Koch. It's Kosh. It's Kosh, not Koch. Okay, sweet. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.42 starting the week off with Stephen and I'll be here till Christmas Eve, 10 to 2 next week, but 9 to midday uh, this week with the lovely the lovely John Day who's got very romantic over Yanni Wetzel and also David Nika today. We'll have a chat about this afterwards. And, of course, Brian, who pretty much does all the work, and John just does all the yapping. Uh, but that's the team you have, and we're having a lot of fun today. Now, fun was had in Abu Dhabi because Max Verstappen won his very first Formula One World Championship in, well, we'll just say sensational circumstances. One man who, like me, watched and stayed up in the early hours from Speed Cafe's Matt Koch. He joins me right now. Hello, mate. Are your eyes hanging out of your head? 
Tell you what, they are absolutely needing uh, toothpicks to hold them open at the moment. I haven't slept. Um, Neither have I, yeah, pal. Neither have I. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I said to the earlier, I said I started and went, oh, Lewis is going to run away with this. You know, gets out of that like initial five, six second lead and then, then it all comes back. And I said, oh, I just had to watch it. So before we talk about the last part of it, how would you sum up this season? It's been extraordinary. You know, we're lucky in that we're in an era that we've got unparalleled access to to the way that Formula One now works with the way Liberty Media has sort of opened it all up in, in recent years. You know, we've got like what Prost and Senna was back in the late 80s and early 90s, but we've got so much more insight now. So we're seeing firsthand, up close and personal, that sort of battle. So it's, it's one of those rivalries that this was the first year of it between Max and Lewis, and it, it sort of germinated way back at the start of the year in Bahrain with that battle that they had there and then manifested itself overnight in, uh, in Abu Dhabi. But it's developed all year, and we've had a, a, a ringside seat every step of the way as that's become you know, a little bit darker and a little bit more niggly as the years worn on. So it's, it's been fantastic. This is what sport is. It's, it's red versus blue, your team versus my team. Pick a side. It doesn't matter which one you're on. This is what sport's about. It's adversarial and it's brilliant. Is there one particular race that stood out for you this season? The British Grand Prix for me, I believe, was a turning point. Uh, specifically, the clash between Max and Lewis at, at Cops on the opening lap. Yeah. That ultimately put uh, Max Verstappen in hospital, had some knock-on effects in terms of engine penalties. But that's the point where it went from a friendly rivalry to almost out-and-out war. The, the battle at that point spilled off the track and drew in Christian Horner, the Red Bull team principal, and Toto Wolff, the Mercedes team principal. Suddenly the teams off-track were involved, and that was the point at which things got properly serious. Everything after that, for me, drew back to that one moment and that one clash at Cops on, uh, on lap one of the British Grand Prix. And if I'm correct, he had a 33-point lead in going into that race, and that's, as you say, funnily enough, he was number 33 as well. You know what the standout for me was, and it's got nothing to do with those two? I was so happy Danny Rick won the Italian Grand Prix. That, that just made my year. I just so want him to be up the front of the field more. Yeah, he's an infectious sort of guy, and he walked into that weekend, and he, as soon as he went on track, he's like, yeah, there's something here. And he had one opportunity all year, and he absolutely maximised it. He's still not 100% on, on the McLaren, but yeah, he delivered what McLaren employed him to do. He's a race winner. There was a win there to be taken, and, and he did it. He, uh, he did it with that big infectious smile, uh, and then there was that message, uh, for those that thought I'd left, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> it was brilliant. All right. What did you make of this morning? Uh, did did Mercedes get their strategy wrong, or was it just sheer as as the commentary team or Christian Warner wanted? Was it the F1 gods doing their bit to help Max? It depends which side you choose to carve up the regulations. It all comes back to basically if you're a lawyer or not. Um, Mercedes played the percentage game as the, re- the regulations are written. They, they did absolutely everything by the book. Verstappen and Red Bull rolled the dice because they had that freedom, they had that opportunity. Ultimately, whatever the rights and wrongs of it are, and ultimately the FIA has deemed that Michael Massey, the race director, got it right in, uh, in allowing that one lap dash to the flag, ultimately Max Verstappen got the better of it. That, that gamble proved to be correct. Reading the regulations, and I must admit, I've been poring over them since this all happened uh, all yeah. those hours ago. 
it's still not clear. You are really splitting hairs. So, yes, Mercedes can be hard, can feel hard done by, but at the same time, the racing gods have absolutely shone on uh, on Max Verstappen. That said, Max deserves the championship. Let's not take it away from him. He's, he got to this point through a stellar year, as did Lewis Hamilton. Um, either of them would have been worthy champions. We've just got this little sour taste in the mouth at the end of it. Yeah, if you're, an, if, if you're a Mercedes fan, though, that car was quick. That was really quick. Yes, the tyres were getting older and Max took the gamble, but that was a quick car. I thought it was done. So the fact that Giovinazzi this brings out a virtual safety car and then you get Latifi banging the wall and brings out what goes on, uh, it is it is crazy. But it's I think it sort of sums up the year, right? Just what we needed. Yeah, it was a brilliant climax. I mean, Netflix do this series on, uh, yeah, on, drive, on to drive to Survive. Yeah. They could just show that, that race unedited all the way through because it's got the, the highs and lows. You've got the drama on the first lap of the pass that Max Verstappen theoretically legally makes only for Lewis Hamilton to run off track, maintain the position and the advantage and not get penalised for it. So there was drama from lap one. Then that all settles down and it looks like Lewis is going to get away and then mm. there's more drama at the end. It really builds to that you know, operatic crescendo at the end. <laughs> well, I like that. And then we get this, yeah, it's it just had absolutely everything that you wanted in uh, in sport. And it was sort of a, a really condensed version of what the season as a whole was because we saw that roller coaster throughout the year. I mean, you mentioned that Max at one point had a 33-point lead and yet we went into Abu Dhabi and uh, even Stevens. So, yeah, it was a, a fantastic way to end the year. Uh, the height of drama It's the sort of thing that it's a once-in-a-generation sort of outcome and clash that they had. You know, the last one that was really like this was Adelaide 94 or maybe Haref 97 between Schumacher and Jacques Villeneuve for the championship there that resulted in Schumacher being excluded from the championship. So it's, it's not something that comes along all the time. We do see final race showdowns, but nothing that had this sort of venom in it, and it was fabulous. So the big question for me is, those cars are now extinct, right? We've got brand new cars next year. All the barge boards are off. Uh, bigger tyres, they are bigger tyres, right? Well, same tyres but bigger diameter. How does that work? Is that right? 18 inches, yeah, right? So, so 18-inch wheels. So the actual yeah. diameter of the tyre goes up slightly yeah. as, along with the diameter of the wheel goes up. Um, so sl- smaller side wheel. I've got underfloor aerodynamics versus you know airstream aerodynamics. So the wings and things have simpler. theoretically less effect. Yeah, they're a simpler car hopefully to produce better racing by allowing them to follow one another do, more do, easily. Do you believe it will become as close as IndyCar? They'll have budget caps for teams as well. Do you believe we'll get as close racing as IndyCar or the big teams who have been developing all year will still have the edge? It will certainly condense and it will take a few years to get closer, but I do believe that it will get towards what IndyCar is. It will never be quite that level because IndyCar is a spec series. Uh, Formula 1, there is are still points of difference and yeah. points where they can develop the guys like Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari. They've got the infrastructure, they've got the personnel, they've got the, the draw just by courtesy of being who they are to attract the best staff. So the guys at the back, they're going to have to work really hard to try and make up that ground. They've got some some allowances in the rules to try and enclose that gap. Part of that is, uh, you know, technical freedoms in terms of aerodynamic testing. But the budget cap is a big one as well. That brings the, the, the leading players back down to earth. And also financially really solidifies the sport as well. You're talking about teams that, you know, were going out of business that in a couple of years are probably going to be worth a, a billion dollars or more. So it's the sport's moving in a really, really healthy direction. And next year will be exciting because... 
it's a whole new generation. We don't know what we're going to get. We hope it's going to result in better racing, but on the back of what we saw overnight, I'm just as happily stay with what we've got. Oh, I don't know about you. I'd, I'd like to see it tighter, but when you <laughs> but, but but when you look back over the years, nothing much has changed. You know, Williams. It used to be Williams, McLaren, and Ferrari, and now we've got three different teams that are always at the front of the pack. Matt Koch, go and have some sleep. Thanks so much for giving us your time on SNZ, and uh, until next time, take it easy. Thank you. Matt Koch from Speed Cafe just running us over. Max Verstappen winning his first ever world championship. Not bad at all. 11.52, I think you spotted Staffy. Might have a, a yard of Staffy before he hauls into four hours of great talk coming up.